we play a game every uh, year after Christmas. It's the beginning of every year, really, because we've got two families to go to Christmas to with our with my parents and Rachel's parents, who are way worse. And the, no, I'm just kidding. She's in she's in the KFC, so I thought it'd be funny to say. Felt bad coming out of my mouth, but I, I don't regret it. They, they, they just want to get them stuff. That's really what it is. They love them, want to get them stuff. So we play a game every year um, after the first of the year called Throw Stuff Away. Um, it's, really, it's really, for me, a daily game. If, if I see a piece of a toy, you know, Captain America comes with an a- as an action figure, and he comes with a sword and, like, pieces, that is going in the trash. I don't think, oh, i got to find Captain America. I'm putting it in the trash. It doesn't need to be here. We also do that with our kids' clothes. You know, your kids are probably growing out of their clothes, probably the ones you just bought them. They're growing up and growing out of their... Nolan jumped like two shoe sizes recently. And we, I guess we aren't wearing eights ever, you know, just we'll go straight from sevens to nines. And you got to get all that stuff arranged. Now, if our children had their way, and maybe it's your, uh, it's like this with your children, it, go put your stuff away means to go put it in the general vicinity that it would typically exist. But when Rachel says that, and it's different from when I say it, but when Rachel says that, she means put it in its proper place, on its proper shelf, at the proper time, other propers that I'm not thinking about. There is, there is a place. You don't just throw your... I guess my kids have Barbies on the shelf. You put them in the box that's on the shelf, on the, in the, not just any box, in the right box. And for the love of all that is good, make sure they're wearing something. <laughs> so there's rules, you know, that just, just, you don't just have a room, you have an organized room, you have a place where things go. And some of you are married to people like this. And some of you are married to people who aren't like this. And um, that's why most reality shows are good. Because your life is spent with people who like, some of you like to be organized. Some of you could take it or leave it. And some of you don't just like it. You think it's a matter of salvation. Like the Bible has told us to be organized Therefore, you you will be you quote scripture that's not even scripture. Cleanliness is next to godliness. Apparently, you have idols. But we like to we like to have things sort of structured and in the right place. I'm kind of like this with with itineraries and stuff like that. I like to know what when things are happening. And um, for how long will they be happening? Um, we will be driving sometimes, and uh, I'll say to I'll say to Rachel, 
Do you want to stop in? Like, we're driving to um, Granbury where Rachel's parents live, which is about an hour south of Fort Worth. Um, I said, do you, want to, um, do you want to eat when we get to Greenville? She'll say, we'll see. But what if she's sleeping and she can't see and I don't get to eat? I start panicking. I was like, well, maybe you could look up. Maybe you could look up some stuff on your phone, maybe, or something. See what Maybe there's some good restaurants there. Well, we'll just kind of pay attention to the road. I'm going 75 miles. Restaurants are just flying by. Like, I want some order in my day. I really just, I really just deep down want to eat at noon. That's my goal in life is to eat at noon. I like, and I need an itinerary for that. I need some structure for that. I need order. And uh, John pointed it out in class this morning. And it's uh, one of the most interesting parts of the beginning of the Bible is God's not just creating things. He's not just throwing aardvarks and whatnot into onto the land. He's he is ordering it and creating hierarchies of the what, what John pointed out was the. Uh, the hierarchy of God, man, animal, and how whenever the man, uh, and I thought this was really interesting, I haven't ever thought of this, the man um, listened to the serpent, he made everything out of order. He, he, you know, God said, hey, the serpent, you're in charge of the serpent, and the man took orders from the serpent. And God's order, the God the way God structured it is pretty important, and you will see this word come up, if you haven't read through the story, chapter 1 uh, this week, or if you didn't do it last week, do it this week. It doesn't take long. I mean, it, it doesn't. At, you will not spend an hour in it. That's for sure. I mean, it, it's pretty quick. You will see one word show up over and over again that struck me in the first little bit here. So we are in Genesis 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. The Hebrew here is real fun. Tofu vavohu. It's, I don't know. Just feels deep and like I'll fall into it. Formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Now before we get to creating, we have to realize that there's something. Earth was formless. But isn't it weird that the earth was? Like you'd expect him to say, there was no earth. But in the beginning, the earth was formless and empty or void. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. There's three little elements here that are important to catch before we move on. There, there is void Empty, formless chaos. That is an element of evil in their world. They identified that with evil. Darkness. They uh, identified that with evil. Actually, if you read the Gospel of John, anytime something happens at night, it's bad. And anytime something happens during the day, it's good. John, it's just John's commentary on, like, darkness is bad. Light is good. And then we have the water. He's hovering over the surface of the deep. The deep, they considered... Um, to be the place where evil lived. You actually see this in the Gospels. Every time Jesus calms a storm, he then 
um, encounters an evil, an evil spirit. Like one right after the other. Every time. So the beginning is not creation. The beginning is formless, void, chaos, darkness, deep. And that's where God says, let there be light. And there was light. And so this is an immediate, not just an immediate um, being able to see. It was an immediate conquering of darkness. When God creates light, he just doesn't make photons. He conquers darkness and there was light. And God saw that the light was good and he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day and darkness he called night. And there was evening and there was morning the first day. That's the, that's the chorus of the creation poem. And there was evening and there was morning the first day. And God said, let there be a vault in between the, between the waters to separate water from water. Now this may be confusing. Just picture this. Water. And this is what it was. This is how the, uh, the ancient... Um, person would view it. Uh, there's just a vault, and God separated it, and so there's water above us, and then there's water below us. So they they saw the world as a dome of sorts, and there was water above and water below, and that's that's just how they understood uh, weather. And so this is written for those people, and so God is separating water from water. So God made the vault and separated the water under the vault from the water above it. And he called and God called the vault sky. And there was evening and there was morning the second and most confusing day. And God said, let there be lights in the vault of the sky. We're skipping on to uh, this is. uh, This is uh, day four here. And God said, let there be lights in the vault of the sky to separate the day from the night and let them serve it to signs, mark sacred day, times and days and years and let them be lights in the vault of the sky to give light on the earth. And it was so God made two great lights, the greater light to govern the day and the lesser light to govern the night. People who I, you might know me well enough to have guessed that I don't treat Genesis one like a science book. Um. Nor necessarily, I don't, I don't treat it like, oh, well, there were six literal days of creation. That's just not my perspective. That could be yours, but that's fine. Um, I just, my question is always, how did they know there were days until there were suns? It's just weird that we're, we're but he's putting these stars and the sun and the moon in the sky to govern what he's already created. God's done this. This, this is the way creation is laid out. He, he creates light and dark, or light, he creates light. Then he uh, creates uh, the, the sky and the sea, and then he creates the, the, the dry land. And then he goes about filling those creations. So on day four, he fills what he created in day one. Day four... He fills, he fills the, he governs the light. In day two, um, he made the sky and the sea. So in day five, he's going to make the birds and the fish. And in day, uh, on day three, he created the, he pulled back the dry land. And uh, day six, he's going to fill the land with animals and mankind. So it just kind of stacks one, two, three, and then you do four, five, and six below it. 
Uh, read it later, you'll, that, that'll make sense. But he puts the two lights and greater, the greater light to govern the day and the lesser light to govern the night. And he also made the stars. God set them in the vault of the sky to give the light on the earth, to govern the day and the night and separate the light from the darkness. Have you heard the word yet? It's happened four times already. Separate. This organizing of things. And he's always separated the light from the dark. He separated the waters above and the waters below. He's, it, it doesn't use the word separate, but the same theme is there whenever he creates dry land. Notice, uh, go back and read it sometime. You'll see that God doesn't actually create dry Like it doesn't say God spoke into existence dry land. It says God drew the waters back. God pulled the waters back and dry land appeared. So God isn't, is creating. He's creating the world, but the way he's doing it is by organizing and the organization is built up in teams. So like we've got a good side and a bad side. We've got light and dark, land and sea. We've got chaos and order. And so, and he's, putting all these things in place to govern and make sure those stay separated. And God saw it was good, and there was evening, and there was morning the fourth day. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image. Okay, so he's created everything, he's separated everything, he's put it all out in its place. And he says, now... Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, over the livestock, all over the wild creatures, um, wild animals and the creatures that move along the ground. So God, God created mankind in his own image. In his own image, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth, subdue it, rule over the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, over every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed bearing plant on the face of the whole earth, every tree that has fruit with seed in it, they will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth, all the creatures in the sky and all the creatures that move along the ground, everything that has breath of life in it, I give every green plant for you. And it was so. God saw that he had made all that he had made, and it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning, the sixth day. Seventh, you know, Genesis 1 says nothing about seventh day. Genesis 1 ends right here. Genesis 1 says nothing about Adam and Eve. Genesis 1 ends right here. There's a second creation account that begins in Genesis 2, and that's t- we typically blend those two, but they're from two different sources, it seems. Genesis 1 is a, con- is a, is a whole work, it's a poem, about God creating and not just creating, but organizing and structuring creation. That, that light wins out over darkness. That, that order wins out over chaos. That the land comes up out of the sea. And that evil is conquered by good. And there are things, there are things in the Jewish, ancient Jewish mindset that are bad. And God is conquering those bad things throughout this whole thing. 
And he's setting up systems in which they will be governed, they will be ruled, and then mankind is the one who ends up doing most of the ruling. Now, we don't get to tell the day when it's day, and we don't get to tell the night when it's night, but we get to tell the animals of the field to, you know, do their thing. We're in charge of them. So we're not just creations, we are governors. We are part of the system that fills and orders and organizes the world. But what's beautiful is that we're not some sort of in-between character. We're not, we're not some, some in, in the way God created us, we are not the ones who can sometimes be good and can sometimes be bad. In God's view, in God's world, in God's created existence, we are light. We are on the side of good. We are from the beginning the ones who were called good. We were in the image of God. From the get-go, that's where we stand. That's our baseline. Sometimes I think we think the story begins in Genesis 3. But the story does not begin in Genesis 3. That's where we eat of the, the fruit, get kicked out of the garden, and there we are in our sins. Well, the story doesn't begin there. The story begins here, where God creates us and puts us into creation as a part of the solution to to chaos, to darkness, and to evil. We're good. We're in the image of God. Now, that has a couple of, to me, that has a couple of important points that sort of just fall out of that point. One... Everybody, everybody you meet, everybody you happen upon, everyone who comes to your business, who you who, who checks you out at Target. Some of you are highfalutin and shop at Target. Everyone is made in the image of God. And that should affect how we treat everyone. Two, we are God's people. Like all your brokenness, and you, you, are, you are broken. You all made New Year's resolutions. And it's like a weekend and probably have kept like half of them. Unless it was like, try to gain 35 pounds. You, and we all sort of recognize that at... At the end of the year, we're like, you know what? This year is, I'm going to be better. I'm going to start talking like a carnival barker more often, apparently. <laughs> this year is different. And, but we know, we know we don't have it all together. We don't have it all figured out. So we decide that I'm going to be different. This is a new beginning. And that's good. Here's, here's the beautiful thing. God is rooting for you. God is rooting for you because you are his. God is rooting you for you because you are you were created to be his. You are in God's image. God is 
rooting for you. Ever, even, even before we left the garden. Even before we sinned. God was rooting for us. We were created in the light. We were created in the order. We were created on land. And if you were an ancient Jewish person, that would matter just as much. We were created in good. And we chose darkness. We we chose chaos. The author of John, actually John, had this in mind when he said, in the beginning, this is how he begins his gospel. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of mankind. And notice how John sums up the whole journey of Jesus. The light shines in to the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. We chose dark, and the light came and got us. We chose chaos and order came into the world. We chose evil and God it made a new beginning. So when we read the story, and we're going to zero in on some things uh, coming up. And we're going to see some big picture stuff as well. But I want you to keep in mind that the whole story is summed up by God created us in light. We chose darkness and the light came and got us. That's where this whole thing's going. And God's going to do it in small ways, in small increments. He's going to go grab a guy and say, hey, guy, you're going to be a nation. And, that, and Abraham's going to say, well, I'm old. How can I have a lot of kids? And God says, you're going to have one kid. Well, two, but we're going to count one. Okay. The next kid has 12 kids, which seems like a lot, but it's not quite a nation. It takes a long time. And that whole group of people fail God and God's constantly having to work with them. The the Israelites are not faithful until there is a faithful Israelite. And that faithful Israelite was the one who came into the darkness. He was the light who shone into the darkness. The darkness could not, has not overcome it. You may think you're lost. But this story tells you you're not. You may think that there's no hope for you and your situation, but this story tells you there is. I guess I guess it's just one of the downfalls of being a preacher. I don't I don't know why this happened. 
But I read uh, Chronicles of Narnia to my girls a couple years ago. Um, sit, in the, sit in the floor. Um, I would have to lean up against the couch. I just can't sit Indian style. <laughs> I'm not an Olympian. But I'd sit in the floor and they would, they would sit and waller while I read it out loud to them. And I got to the part um, where, and it's, I'm sorry, spoiler alert, it's been around a while. Where uh, Aslan um, dies. Aslan's a lion. He's a big, big character in this story. He dies. And I shut the book. So well, I guess we'll find out what happens. Claire says he's going to come back to life like Jesus. It's like <sighs> I wanted the <gasps> moment, but they didn't. She was just like, "Well, pfft, you know, yeah." Right? <laughs> Claire was just like, "He's the Jesus character, right?" I know how this story ends, but it's amazing how many times we know how the story ends. We know what the victory was, but we just still worry ourselves silly about what the next page is going to say. In the beginning, you were created in the image of God in the light. And we chose darkness, and maybe some days you choose darkness, but the, the, the story is that the light is coming to get you. The light is chasing after you. Sometimes we can, in church, make it sound like that salvation is is fleeting and that it's hard to catch like it's like glimpses out of the corner of our eyes and maybe maybe someday we'll achieve it. Jesus is chasing after you. The Spirit of God is chasing after you. You are of value to God. So much so that in the beginning of our story, the light Shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Today, you need to choose whether you're going to let this story affect you, or if you think your story is more important. Because if you live by this story, you will be found in the light, you'll be found back with God, you'll be found in His presence. But just like Adam and Eve, if you choose your own story, your own values, you will remain in dark. And it won't matter how much weight you lose in 2018 or whether or not you exercise, whether or not you decided that keto was the right diet for you. It'll just be darkness. You'll be in a you will always feel like you don't belong until you are with the one who created you to belong to him. You'll always feel out of place. Always feel stressed and anxious and frustrated until you're with God. Now, that's not going to make all those things go away. Sometimes you'll just now be anxious and stressed with God by your side. But it's, It's a beautiful relationship to start your year with. 
And it's the right story to be telling yourself. In the beginning, you were put in the light, in the order, in the good, in the righteous. And we opted out. But the light came and got us. Is it going to get you this morning? Are you going to let it? Or are you going to continue to live in darkness? Are you going to celebrate the fact that the light has come and gotten you and that's going to impact your, your family? That the light has chosen, that Jesus chose, God chose to become man. Down a cross, raised from the grave, so that all who call on the name of the Lord, who enter into a relationship with God through the waters of baptism, can be saved. Today is the day. Don't let God come out of heaven to chase down the creation he loves just to tell him maybe next week. If you want to give your life to Jesus, to recommit it to Jesus, to be baptized this morning, whatever you need, need prayers, need just the love of your church and support, whatever it is this morning, please come forward while we stand and sing.